Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another Narrowgate podcast episode. My name is Benjamin Hoover, licensed marriage and family therapist out of Roseville, California. And in this episode, I am still focusing on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden uh, in in chapter 3 there. Um, I can't remember if in the last episode what I mentioned, but this has been quite a week for me. This Actually, what I'm going to talk about uh, in this episode has been very, very powerful and moving for me. In fact, it's it's shifted my perspective of God, um, my perspective of others, of pain, of disorders, all of that. So, yeah, it, it's, it's had a profound impact on me. And actually, in episodes to come, I'm going to be highlighting some of the disorders out there, uh, like um, anxiety, various anxiety disorders, depression, um, self-harm, suicide, all of that stuff. Uh, I really, really want to reframe how we see that, to, to put a different perspective in, because it's been so, um, it's been so shamed. So, yeah, I'm actually really excited to talk about all of that stuff. But I wanted to kind of touch on a few points before I go into everything. Um, one is in the last podcast episode, we talked about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And basically, that's just another way of saying awareness of what happens when we're connected, what happens when we're disconnected. We become um, we become conscious of that. And this happens through a separateness, which is actually really necessary in order to separate from this kind of blended oneness with God, and it happens in relationships as well, that is necessary for us to become aware of who we are, become aware of who they are, and actually it leads to greater satisfaction in life. So uh, so we're, we're, we're meant to... Uh, oh, let me highlight that too, because another thought just come up. So with that separateness, what I mean by that... Um, that oneness and stuff. So think of like a mother and child when they're in that, when the child's in that infant state and the, the child doesn't have any awareness. Like uh, he and mom are one. They're one being. And so, but but at two, kind of around two, they start to cross those boundaries and, and they, they develop uh, a capacity for anger, a wonderful capacity, and uh, and their own will starts to develop. And so so that separation begins. And it's really, really neat. And that's basically what um, chapter 3, that portion of chapter 3 is highlighting. That there's a separation between us and God, and it creates this, this knowing and this consciousness that we're not this one being with Him. That's really essential to understand. So, but we were meant to be connected in our own bodies um, and with one another. So, the tree is also meant to draw out the lack. So, you know, even though Adam was given Eve and he delighted in her and, and they, they had sex, they became intimate, um, that wasn't, uh, 
there, there wasn't completion in that. There wasn't wholeness in that. So there was still lack. So that kind of points to the sign that relationships aren't there to complete. They're actually to move us into a place of completion. So, and I'll, I'll cover that another time, but I keep saying that. There's a lot of things that <laughs> I'm wanting to talk about. But anyway, the tree was meant to draw out the lack. And it was designed in a way for us to explore and actually take the leap. So it was necessary for us to do that. It was, in a way, encouraged. And so, and because of that, then we learned that authentic connection is, is a conscious being with God and connected to all of life. A, a couple other points there is, um, one, just a question to throw out there is why, like, why do we feel shame? You know, what is shame exactly? I'm going to cover that. But when we're always dealing with judgment, and most of us do, and it's very heavy and severe in the Christian church, um, we we often end up in this defended state. We're trying to appease God and please please Him and live this right, quote-unquote, right life, whatever that looks like, um, which is actually sometimes kind of ambiguous. Um, but we kind of do this narrow rigid way of living and really it's just fear-based and shame-based so we're in this defended state and then we don't end up developing or operating in this beautiful awareness of life of living uh, of engaging in a present focus life where we can indulge in the moment and and experience the richness of life and it leaves no room to observe and explore when we're in this place of judgment so, and then shame has, can have this insidious and pervasively destructive presence. So, and it can impact the direction we move. So we either can, can feel that the presence of shame and actually move towards God, or we can move away from him. And, and that happens even in relationships So we can pull away and hide, or we can turn towards, but the, actually the turning towards happens when we encounter a compassionate, loving other. So it draws us out of that shame. It builds security. We can run to this person. But if they're not safe, then um, then we will hide and pull away. And so people actually do have to prove that they're safe to one another in order for us to turn towards each other, not away. Uh, also, shame can lead to disconnection and then disorder. So, um, so in the presence of shame, we hide and then we pull away. And it can lead to disorders internally and relationally. And if you think about it, actually, most psychological disorders are relationally rooted. So, and, and I am excited to break all that down. So, because I hope to kind of shed some light for those that are in the trenches of that or those that are uh, live with people that are struggling with that. Most of us have some kind of disorder in a way. And it's not some stigma, but it can be when, uh, when there's judgment placed on it. So, so those are things I kind of wanted to, to touch on. So, but, but in this episode, I really want to illuminate on shame, uh, its meaning, and some of the things in Genesis that, that I know I missed, and maybe you missed, and, and it involves an invitation. So, I'm going to leave a little, little uh, suspenseful cliffhanger on that. So, uh, just some observations on chapter 3. I'm just going to list them. There's eight that I put on there. There could be more. One is uh, Adam and Eve, uh, their eyes were open. They became aware. They hid from God. They were afraid. They covered themselves. Uh, God asked them questions. God speaks to the disorder that would happen. We call it a curse. Um, but actually, 
he cursed the serpent and he cursed the ground. He didn't curse humanity, but he spoke to what would happen. And, uh, and then he covers them. So that's actually really important to understand that God didn't curse humanity, um, but he, he deliberately or, or explicitly stated the, um, the fraying that would happen when there was this disconnect between us and him. So, oh, and yeah, I think I mentioned that he covers them. So the first part that I'm calling is, is shame and the nakedness we feel. So what happens when we feel shame slash fear? They they're, go hand in hand. Well, from a biological aspect, there's, we experience this radiating presence of heat, our, our heart beat increases faster, the blood pumps more intensely, and the body becomes primed for action, uh, which means that we enter into this fight-or-flight state, and it's an instinctual defense to protect ourselves from harm. So, um, so that's how actually the body is created. It is created in a way to protect, in order to protect ourselves from harm. So, that's also, a, a loving component that reflects a wonderful creator who's actually creating the body in a way to protect itself from, from harm. So, an example would be, for instance, you know, let's say a child is about to get hit by a car. The, the, the parent goes into this hyperdrive, you know, kind of saving Superman mode and they run out there to, to, to protect the child, right? So, uh, or let's just say someone's grown up with a parent who was harshly criticized and abused them. Um, the body shuts down, the mind shuts down. Uh, to, to, even though it's actually still recording the experience, the, the, the person loses awareness or consciousness in the moment. Um, and it's to protect them from this overwhelming feeling of, of pain and shame and, and, and helplessness. So that, that goes hand in hand, that, that real extreme state of helplessness, powerlessness. Uh, and then emotionally, we feel afraid. And, uh, and so fear is associated with danger and harm. And because of that, there's this natural inclination to protect ourselves, which would be maybe to fight or usually it's kind of flight, it's, it's hiding. And, or sometimes we freeze or we, we um, comply or whatnot. I think there's a couple other ones, but. So, uh, and, and the natural inclination is to, to, also, um, is to also protect another as well. So we, we cover them, we shield them um, uh, from danger and harm. And, and what's actually kind of cool about that is uh, in in Genesis in, in 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 the chapter, it says that God covers them, and so that's I don't know if that wows you, but that wows me, and it, it points to a very loving, compassionate, caring, tender God who's protective and covering them. By the way, God covering them is also connected with man covering woman, and so I'm gonna boy, I am going to just kind of really pick apart uh, gender, sexuality, relationships, um, so we can kind of get to the heart of things and maybe understand it better. But anyway, I wanted to kind of connect that to uh, to the man's um, role as well. But but God covered them. 
So he was actually protecting them further from danger and harm, that self-consciousness, that judgment that they carried. Uh, it also Shame also impact, impacts us um, cognitively or consciously. So we, if you notice, if you've ever felt self-conscious, uh, there becomes this heightened awareness of ourself. It's very intense. Um, there's paranoia. We think everybody's knows what's inside of us. We become very, uh, we feel very exposed. And that's the thing is that most people are not actually um, uh, directing their thoughts towards us, but we immediately feel shame and we think that other people are judging or shaming us, which does happen, obviously. But uh, but in the state of self-consciousness, this we're, we feel this very intense, um, ominous presence of... Um, of, uh, of, sh of shame or judgment. So the thing about the consciousness that's really neat is we're the only created beings that have this. So we can notice and observe and see, contemplate, focus, judge, discern. And, uh, and this, this type of noticing allows us to make conscious decisions, evaluate, assess, so, for instance, let's take the biological need of hunger. So the body communicates that it that it's in need of food, and we um, there's a lot of factors that go into that decision making process. Like, what are we going to eat? Um, when? How long is it going to take? Where? Um, you know, how are we going to get there? With with whom are we going to eat? So. So there's a lot that goes in that. We're the only creatures that, that can probably spend, you know, 30 minutes standing with a group of people, everyone not coordinating and collaborating and, you know, figuring out what are we going to do? So that's, it's, it's fascinating that we're, that we've been given that. <clears throat> but the thing is, is that when this is soured by self-judgment, it throws everything off. And Adam and Eve... Um, their their experience that they had, this consciousness was wrought with, with negative judgment and criticism. And that led them to reflexively cover up, right? If you think about it, when we feel that shame or and we're around people, we want to hide and we want to cover ourselves. I had this, um, or and yeah, and we feel embarrassed and, and fear and others' judgment, which actually really the judgment stems from within. I remember this one moment, um, this church community that I'm a part of. Last year, uh, we we gathered, used to gather in the mornings there, and I had this thought before I left to go to the the gathering, and I thought, um, I I think it was a particularly um, very insecure moment for me, and I had this thought of, well, at least what I'm wearing looks good. Something along those lines, where I was, I was, I felt like that was protecting me. I felt like that was also going to draw maybe, um, you know, the 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 affirmation, the the seeing, being seen that I'm looking for. But yeah, and and I mean, I, I was wow, I was mindful of that thought. Wow, that's interesting that I that I had that that I was in that insecure moment. I I relied on that clothing to 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 protect me. Um. So, the other thing too is, let's think about, let's flip this. If if actually Adam and Eve, when they ate the fruit, they assessed this out of love and compassion, um, the dialogue would probably be like, 
yikes, you know, that, that didn't work out for us. Um, this kind of sucks, or this is kind of painful. And then, you know, maybe they'd say, hey, God, you know, what's what am I trying to meet here? Or whatever. Um, and But they wouldn't be so uh, saturated in shame to pull away. Um, but but the, the reason why they weren't even able to do that is because they hadn't even been aware of that love and compassion yet. Remember, they weren't, they weren't separated until that, and so they didn't have this actual awareness of love and compassion. Just like the child, um, who is still, uh, still in this infant state, in this symbiotic relationship, doesn't know yet the love. They're in the throes of the love, but they don't know uh, and are aware that, and mindful that, that they're in this place. So, so, but the thing is, is we're actually created to live in the state of nakedness, to operate in this vulnerable personhood. And this is what God is calling us back into, that, that there's nothing shadowed within. So, um, but the, but we experience when shame with this visceral, biological, emotional fear and this conscious judgment and, uh, and causes us to pull away um, from ourselves, from God, from others. Um, and also then we start to try to cast ourselves in a more acceptable light to maintain a relationship because we were meant to be seen and known. So we, this, we, we operate in a lot of different ways to try to be accepted, to try to be loved, to try to be connected, um, beyond accepted, but just em- embraced and loved. So when, when we get this, like honestly guys, when, when we get this, understand what Genesis is communicating about us, then I think we begin to understand the meaning of life. Uh, so now I want to talk about the, the hiding and the wrath within. So why did this hiding happen? Well, when we look back at shame, it was this instinctual response um, that, was, that was created, wired in the body. But what were they actually hiding from? Um, what, what, I mean, what were they fearing, right? If fear is the, the signal to danger or harm, like, what were they afraid of specifically with that? Like, where was that coming from? Um, because they had no experience, they had no reference of danger. There was there was nothing in their history. It doesn't even say that 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 there was an experience of danger um, from which to base their fear. And that's not the case for us. So a, a good portion of us have a lot of relational injuries of you know different varying degrees of it. You know, some of us were abused or manipulated or coerced or even kind of down to sometimes like parents just being more intellectual and neglecting the emotional realm in us. So, you know, and, and, you know, it's not like they were uh, overtly or explicitly harming, but they weren't aware of what they were doing because they didn't have that awareness. So, um, but, but, but Adam and Eve, they walked with God, their needs were met. So what was there to actually fear? Where was the danger there? But the thing is, that's fascinating about that, is they hadn't actually developed an awareness of who God really was. That he was actually loving and compassionate and overwhelmed with delight. So, um, and they needed that separation for it to awaken within them. But the, the wrath and the judgment and the condemnation they feared actually came from within themselves. They had no other reference. God never displayed this. And they, they, and so they believed, though, that he was the one who was wrathful and condemning. And, their, and so their own internal understanding, their framework, was projected onto him. 
And so what, what, uh, what's projection? It's a psychological term. It's a defense against, it's a, it's a protective um, mechanism that guards against hurt and pain. Um, but projection is actually casting what is unwanted in us or with it, within us onto another and believing that, that they're the ones that carry this, that are holding this, when actually it's us. So um, people do this with, uh, with anger a lot um, or shame, um, maybe sexuality. Uh, and it doesn't have to be explicitly like um, if someone... I don't know, think someone's gay or whatnot, um, that they themselves are gay, but it could be something that they haven't even connected with their own sexuality. So they don't even, they're not even, they haven't even connected with what true manhood is, what true masculinity is. Um, and so they just kind of live in this perspective that, wow, if a man acts this way or whatever, then they're gay or something. So, so those are these projections that, that actually we hold within us. So, uh, so anyway, so that's, those are some thoughts on that, on the, on fear and danger, harm and whatnot. Now, the, there's this invitation that happens. I call it the invitation into intimacy. So, uh, one thing about shame that I didn't highlight, but I, I left it for this session or this section the shame affects our engagement and our connection, our relational connection. What happens is we, we end up turning away and we hide. So what is intimacy? Well, intimacy is a face-to-face -face encounter. Adam and Eve saw each other fully face-to-face. -face. They, 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 um, uh, they, they faced each other. Nothing was hidden. And, uh, and, and reflexively, they, they drew towards each other. And they engage sexually. So, so intimacy is when we actually turn towards each other. We look at each other in the eye. It happens sexually. It happens in, uh, when we open up to one another, um, when we get vulnerable. And, uh, and so when we actually travel through the layers of self-judgment, uh, when those become uncovered, we draw closer. And people begin to, to look at one another. And it's a highly intimate expression. I remember, oh no, this is a, I'll say that for a different point here. Um, but, but when we're riddled with shame and judgment and fear, if you ever notice in yourself or another person, we actually we end up looking away and down. So this is counter-intimacy. And this judgment drives us further away. So people, if you notice, I noticed even in life at times, like people don't even look at each other. Sometimes I'll, I'll do that when I'm walking down a hallway or outside or something. I get kind of self-conscious um, and 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 uh, uncomfortable. And I, you know, what are they going to think if I look at them? And you know, so so. But we were actually meant to uh, not just in an intimate relationship, but be able to look at each other, to engage with each other, to notice each other, even if it's a transient, quick little greeting. So, um, but but. When we open up, we have this fear. I've noticed in myself that I have this fear of seeing even judgment in another's face. So, so this is shame takes us out of intimacy, or it can. Now, one thing I really, really want to highlight here is uh, 
in, in chapter 3, God asks questions, which is fascinating. So, why is he even asking questions? I'll get to that. But the questions that he asks are, where are you? Why are you hiding? And did you eat of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat from? Or something along those lines. This is really integral to understand. Why is God... God is this all-knowing being, right? I mean, he's the one that, that spoke creation, that poured his love, imbued his love into creation, brought existence into his love, or, or love into existence or whatnot. Um, he, he wasn't asking out of naivety, right? He wasn't. I mean, we're all uncovered to him. He knows everything. So he wasn't acting oblivious. Um, what he was doing was inviting them to open up. He was calling them out of hiding. So if condemnation and judgment pushes a fur person further into this state uh, of hiding, this loving uh, invitation into intimacy is, is to reconcile. And so if Adam and Eve were, were open and vulnerable, shared what happened, we got scared or whatever, or, you know, it seemed desirable and I ate it, ate the fruit and, you know, and now I feel like crap. The, I think the intimacy would have happened right then. It would have been restored. Uh, they would have re-entered back into that vulnerable personhood. So think about when we share things. When we share something that's been so pushed down, deeply contained secrets that we keep from one another, that we hide, uh, there's this enigmatic impact that generates closeness. Now, that doesn't mean the other person is not going to feel anger and pain, and hopefully they can stay connected to us in that moment. But, um, but there is this impact that can draw, generate closeness to each other, that, that others start drawing near, and that this deep sharing leads to the truth which the truth is our intrinsic need for connection with the, light, with the source of life and one another. So I remember this time, and I keep referencing my, uh, the shame I felt over viewing pornography, but there was this particular moment where I was lost in the throes of it, um, but it was really the shame that was impactful more than pornography. It was, it was that shame and judgment. And so, so I, I buried it, because I had opened up about it before, and this, this person... Um, did not react very well. I felt further shame. But I, I couldn't contain it anymore, and I burst into one of those really cathartic freeing uh, um, cries. And I shared. I shared with this person the this, this, this shame that I felt, this hiddenness, this torment, with this struggle. And, and thankfully, thankfully she was compassionate and, and tender, and it brought us closer. So God is um, is inviting us into that closeness. He wants us to share that stuff. He wants us to connect to that stuff which we're which we're pushing away from. That's really important. That means connecting to the sexuality we feel shame about, connecting to the gender uh, um, uh, identity struggles that we feel shame about. Those are things that we're meant to explore and look at and 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 experience and. And, um, and, and be in safe communities where we can process that stuff. So, um, same, same with just various emotions. So, 
anyway, that, that he, he was drawing them. It was an attempt to draw them out. I remember when I was, my mom tells me this, tells me this story that when I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe five or six, there was this, uh, I think it was a kitty, um, in, in our neighborhood. And she said that I just I probably was in this like squatting position, just patiently waiting for this cat to, to, to come near. I just, I sat there like just, um, kind of beckoning it. I, I, I'm imagining. And she was just blown away by my long suffering, um, stance there and position to draw this cat close. And, and that's what, that's what God does is drawing, he's drawing us near. He's revealing himself more and more. So wanting us to see him in the light that's so different than what we've cast him out to be. So this, um, and so what starts happening then, Hathor's invitation, invitation, and I call this the entrenchment and hiding, and also an unconditional love. So what happened after the invitation, they buried themselves further in hiding. Um, and how'd they do that? Well, they eschewed, eschewed responsibility. They, they blame shifted. Um, the wrath they felt inside, they put the wrath on one another. Well, she told me to eat the fruit, or, or Eve said, well, the serpent that you, God, um, put in the garden, he, he told me, right? So just totally, just, man, avoiding any kind of responsibility whatsoever, just darting 90 degrees away from it. But also what's fascinating about that is that's the first experience of scapegoating, um, which then led to animal sacrificing, and then when you think about Jesus became that sacrifice, which we keep thinking, people have thought, oh, well, they're taking on God's wrath. But actually, he took on our wrath because it references back to when Adam, uh, his own wrath was put on Eve and Eve's own wrath was put on the snake. And yeah, so, and on God as well. So that was kind of the first, maybe foreshadowing of that which was to come. But they blamed each other and even blamed God and perpetuated distance. And they, they were blinded. They couldn't see the invitation before them. So what happened after that was uh, God said that they would surely die. And so, you know, we think that this is harsh, but actually he was just speaking what would happen. Because God spoke life in such a way that it would be connected and influence and impact uh, this, this mutually reciprocating dance in life. And it, and it was meant to operate a certain way, a beautiful way, and being sustained continuously by him. Um, and so, but, but when this disconnection happens, it, it actually leads, it literally leads to death. So, and, and that is physical, emotional, spiritual, just our entire being. And so when they hid, they withdrew. And when they withdrew, they disconnected. And pulling away from God is, is disconnecting from the sustainer of life, the holder of life. And that living a disconnected life, uh, literally our, our being, quote unquote being, decays in all forms. But we're meant to feel alive, so we, we start trying to find life, trying to find that aliveness in all corners of, our li of, of life um, when it is truly and only experienced fully connected to Him. Uh, abundantly, uh, mysteriously, surprisingly, uh, that's 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 how we were meant to live. So then you know we see this 
uh, it's kind of in poem form where we see what God, what's going to happen to humanity. He, he speaks a curse, um, but he, he wasn't cursing humanity. He was, he cursed the serpent, he cursed the ground, but, but he, he spoke to the disorder that would happen the decay that would happen as a result of pulling away from him. So to pull close to him, he begins to actually restore all that stuff. It does. It happens. When we begin connecting to the stuff that we pull away from in ourselves, that we shame, that we split away from, uh, when we start pulling close, we end up start to con connect with God even more. And we begin to live a rich, full life. It's hard work, but... Um, but we, we have the freedom and the invitation to do so. So, um, but yeah, he spoke the curse and, and it flipped through everything off the rails relationally and whatnot. And so, um, but, but an example too is let's just look at, um, say like when a child, you know, they're given this warning that they touch the, the flame on the stove, they're going to get burned. And, uh, and, you know, oftentimes we grow up in, in injured relationships or we have these injuries these wounds and and so our parents have shamed us for for our curiosity of taking that step but but let's just say it's a good enough parent um a healthier parent uh you know they give the child a warning the child does it and the child just bursts into tears and feels this pain and but what does the child do or i'm sorry what does the parent do the parent cares for the wound the parent holds he or she holds their child, tears, cares for the tears, says, I know, that was painful, wasn't it? They don't say, I told you so, you know, which is shaming. Um, they care for the emotional experience of the child, for their heart, and they care for the wound. Was mom say, well, let me kiss it, right? Or might like wash it or put oil on it or whatnot. Well, let's reference then the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus mentions. The man, uh, there's a man that ends up getting brutally beaten, and and he ends up wounded. Well, the the Greek there for like wounded or what is um, traumaticas, so trauma, and uh, and and so how does the how does the good Samaritan, which references Jesus really, uh, how does he care for this man? He goes to him, which is so cool. Goes to him, and pours the. The, this, the healing oil cares for him in that way over the wounds. So um, he, he loves this one very deeply and healingly. Even, even if other people have done something to this person or this person has done something that ends up injuring themselves, sometimes badly, that, that, that nonetheless God, uh, he, he cares deeply. His love is that oil that, that repairs and washes over the wounds. And so we see this too when God makes the garments and covers them. There's this continual care and compassion. And, uh, and, and he actually makes greater coverings than they did. He, he covers them in skins. This is an act of deep love. And it wasn't dissuaded by their choice to remain in hiding. Um, and God, once again shows this vulnerable nature that is who he is and it's poured out so uh i'm i'm, I'm re re collecting my thoughts here um
So, so we see the shift in relationship. They, they walked in the garden. This is literally being, just being with God. And then when, when the hiding perpetuated, they, they threw everything off course and created this disharmony. And, uh, and it continued to fuel this disconnection out of fear that God would destroy them in wrath. And so our wiring too, it, it, it is, um, so I'm going to make another point here. Our, our wiring is for connection. It's inseparable from our humanity. And so because of that, when we pull away, when we stay in this hiding, when we stay in this judgment, we, we, because it is, it is vital for us to be connected, it is life-giving, literally, it is, it is what brings us life and sustains us, then we're going to look for ways to stay connected to return to that harmonious union. So, uh, so, and we need a being other than ourselves to connect to that, right? We need, we need that because that's how life is. That's how we're created. God is that other being. Um, so, so this fear that, 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 that God is wrathful, they hold that inside. So because of that, then that affects how we connect. So they, they actually start creating gods, and they, but they believe that they need to reconcile this relationship and quell God's wrath and calm his fury. They got to snuff that out by doing something that he pleases. They, you know, um, I don't know, rub his belly. They, I mean, they, 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 whatever they can do to try to appease him, to try to calm him down. I mean, that happens in our very relationships. Some of you that are maybe listening to this, it, it, that happens. You have these parents that are very angry and wrathful, like, uh, let's say, a father who's an alcoholic who drinks to push down his rage and fear, which inevitably starts coming up. Um, you know, the child gets gets them the alcohol, or the or the wife gets gets the the her husband that alcohol just to keep that 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 anger and fury down. There's this pleasing, but it's really to try to keep the relationship in harmony. And we call that codependency. So, um, so that means we need to figure out what makes God happy. And so we create these lifestyles of trying to live rightly and stop the wrath and the wrath that comes, which is really the wrath that comes from within us. And, and keep highlighting that because it's really, really important to know. Um, but, but we are. We're trying to stop this wrath that we believe God holds and is delivering and pouring out. So we develop, we, we end up developing gods. So it's no longer God, this being, this other, this mystery. We now are trying to demystify God. And so we create these gods that, that are wrathful and need to be pleased and try to recreate harmony and union and um, because we're meant to stay connected to the divine. And if you want an example of how we ended up creating gods, look at Abraham. When, when God asked Abraham to uh, take his son up to to uh, to sacrifice him, you don't see in Scripture Abraham arguing with God. Why? Because that was already a part of humanity and the lifestyle. So, um, so this this was how they functioned. So when God asked Abraham to go sacrifice his son, he <laughs> he didn't put up a fight. He didn't lock horns with God and and contend with him. So. Fascinating, right? We've created these gods. Now, how has that also affected then, uh, in other ways, our being with Him? So we have something what's called worship, right? I'll tell you what. Recently, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with that word, and you know, again, this is, this you might see this as heretical, 
please feel free to. I hope this stirs things up. I hope that you disagree. I hope that it, but at least in that disagreement and that you look at the discomfort and why that maybe throws things off for you. But, but so we have what we call worship, but it's still, it still has this connotation of ceremony and ritual. And so it, it, instead of being like going to this garden experience where we're just walking with God, we're being with him. Instead, we, we start turning off whatever is in our hearts and we try to focus on him and we praise him and manufacture joy to please him. But, but, um, but a portion of us, maybe a good amount of us are feeling pretty, I'm going to say this pretty shitty. Honestly, we're, we, we feel horrible inside. We're angry. Um, maybe we're horny. Maybe we're, uh, we feel sad, uh, you know, broken hearted, whatever. And yet then we're, you know, we're instructed to like, you know, just, just put all that, put all that behind you and just focus on God. But that, that literally creates disconnection that, that keep continues to fuel this disconnected state. I, I, I felt that often, this disconnection in, in the past, not so now, but I felt disconnected and obligated to, to quote-unquote worship when there was so much going on in my heart and that this off switch that somehow was in there needed needs to turn on or turn off to quiet my heart in order to connect. But what if worship, what we call worship, which I call being, is an act of expressing our deepest pains and joys to Him? in song and dance and writing, painting, standing, sitting, laying down, um, I don't know, breakdancing with people. I, I mean, serious, you know, just just actually enjoying each other, enjoying one another, delighting in each other, um, satisfying each other, talking, you know, I mean, prophesying, whatever, talking to each other and, and building each other up and, and laughing and holding each other and, and cuddling with each other and um, putting our heads on each other's shoulders and like just, just and, and, and yet being aware that God is present in that moment, being, just enjoying it or, or not even enjoying, like being angry and allowing each other to be angry together and like what if that is being? But somehow we gather and then we create this kind of ceremonial experience and, and, uh, it just, it's just, I don't know if that's how it was meant to be. And I think it can shift and I know actually it will shift, but, but so this is what I've been wrestling with. And so what if opening our hearts and all that, 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 that lays deep in its chambers is meant to be shared to him and others. And that what if when we do this, it actually leads to connecting, uh, and, and leads to fullness and joy. So being is not about turning off, it is about turning on, opening up, getting vulnerable, coming alive. Let's even liken it to the sexual experience. When people, when, when, when both partners are, are connected in their own bodies, when they know what turns them on, when they can talk about it and share it and delight in it with one another, um, this creates a very satisfying experience. It's hard to get to that because you have to get to those places of vulnerability and deal with the frustration and things not working out, but like, but, but still experiencing that together. So I worship or being what I keep wanting to call being, but most of us understand to be worship. What if that's actually a sexual experience about getting turned on, connecting to, to, to that internal self and, and inevitably also connecting with God. 
So it means that we share our anger to him. Maybe it's even about him. Uh, Our rage, our hate, our sexuality, our confusion, sadness, grief, and we feel it deeply, deeply until there's harmony. So that's my thought on worship, you know, which is connected to uh, us appeasing gods and all that stuff. The last thing I wanted to end on, this is a long podcast, but why did Jesus die? Why? There's a lot of different interpretations of it and whatnot. Um, But was the crucifixion really a break function to stop God's wrath? Was, Was God's wrath so uncontainable and overflowing that he just needed something to destroy in order to feel pleased so he became man and crushed himself? Well, actually... God was speaking the language and moving through humanity that formed their lifestyle around their pain and need for intimate connection by creating ceremony and ritual and appeasing him. And, and Paul, in, um, in Scripture, is clearly communicating uh, in sacrificial terminology to a culture that only understood God's love through that lens. He's saying, look, there's no more wrath. It was poured out through Jesus because that was how they tried to appease gods was to sacrifice the firstborn or, or the firstborn livestock and, and, uh, and you know, to, to keep the gods happy and, and fed and satisfied. So, so that's what Paul's talking about. It's like, that is done. Jesus was that sacrifice. But the fact is, is that was a language spoken back then to a culture that understood. Now we're in a very different place. There's this evolution happening in mankind that's growing, that God is changing. It's happening. I mean, you, you can't not see it. All this tension that's coming up with intimacy and gender and sexuality, that's actually really necessary stuff. And it's really good what's happening. And people are going to see that as a threat, but it's, it's the birth or it's the rumblings, the, the, the contractions of what's to come. So, um, anyway, that was a language of a different time and culture. And yet today we still talk about the blood and sacrifice and all of that. And, you know, um, but the point was to really, of, of, the, of the death on the cross, was to emphatically and beautifully say, I will prove my love to you. I want to draw you out of your shame and connect you back to me where life is truly lived. It was not God's wrath, but our own. It was the wrath we carried. Jesus came to change our hearts and minds about God, not the reverse. This kind of pouring out is true living to affect the hurting hearts in such a way that draw them back to him. But God is this harmonizer, the reconciler, the restorer of intimacy, and he displayed that through Jesus. He revealed a vulnerability and a foreign expression of love to the world that had such a profound impact that it created this never-ending rippling effect throughout life and time. Um, you see Jesus, it's an interesting position on the cross where his arms are outstretched. That is a vulnerable position. That's a vulnerable... Think about when we hug each other. We extend our arms out and welcome them in. And that is what Jesus did. That is what God did. So, if you need more evidence than that, look. study attachment relationship. Look no further than, than kind of that healthy attachment bond between parent and child. It was, it was this kind of tangible experience that pointed to the relationship God designed to have with us. I'd say that's quite a love there. And I hope that you become more and more aware of that love presently. See you next time.